Turn your Bibles first Samuel chapter number 16. You're gonna have to forgive me, but I'm gonna have to stand here for a minute and tell you this in. You know this first ever tent I've ever preached under. First ever meeting I've ever preached in. I don't know what to do, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna stand up here, I'm gonna take me a little mental picture, and I'm gonna enjoy it. You know, God could have left me in sin a long time ago. Hey, I could be laid up in some ditch today. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all, if you don't know me, my name is Zeb. My name is Zeb. My mom wanted to name me Hunter. It had been Hunter Gunter. Thank the Lord. My name is Zeb. Thank the Lord. But old preacher the other night called me Zach. I told preacher Keith, I said, anybody, anytime somebody calls to have some have preacher Zach come to the meeting, make sure you give him my number. I'm going to be preaching all over the country now. Thank you, Brother Rick. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel 16. I am nervous. I've been pastoring now almost a year in December. God's blessed me. Got a good church. And I'm thankful for it. And uh, I'm still thankful that uh, God has not let my nerves go away. If I could stand up here and think I'm something, it'd be a shame. You know, God dealt with me. And this is me being honest. You ready? I look at some of these men that preached under this tent, and I thought they've got something I don't. I'm being honest now. I would look at them and I would say, they've prayed more than I have. And I would say they've studied more, they've pastored longer, and they've got something I don't. And God dealt with me. He said, it is not this desk, though it is a sacred desk. And it is not this tent, and it is not no man. He said, it's me. And he said, if you get up there and try to do what you can do, you'll mess it up. I'll go ahead and be honest with you. With 11 people saved, I'm scared to death. Like Brother Bradley said, I'm going to blow it. I don't want to hinder the Spirit in this place. He said, if you get up there and do what you can do, you'll blow it, and the rest of the week, it's on you. But if you do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of you. He dealt with me also... This is almost the church crowd, I know. It's the, it's, the, it's the Wednesday night, it feels like, you know? And he dealt with me, you're going to be talking to a lot of saved people. A lot of saved people. Keith called me about 11 yesterday, and I've sought God the best I could. I've, I've tried to study, and I've tried to ask God exactly what He would have, and He landed me in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Let's read these verses. The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite for the for excuse me, I'll send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town, and trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. 
For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from the day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach today. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. I pray that you would increase and I would decrease. God, that you would give me liberty and power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. The interesting thought that I've had for this morning, and it's a question, is this. Do you want to be a servant? I told you God dealt with me. I was going to be preaching to a lot of church people. I was going to be preaching to a lot of people that would come in and say, Preacher, I'm saved. I've been saved for a long time. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And hallelujah for that. These men at night have been preaching on hell so much, I had to make sure. I'm going to be honest. It's been good. I got saved four times while Ralph was preaching. It's a blessing for what these people have been doing. And God dealt with me. You're preaching to a lot of safe people, but in the church, there's a lot of safe people, but there's not many servants. I'm here today to tell you, you can be saved, you can can go to heaven, but you can miss out on being a servant. Today, I don't want to look at David getting anointed. I don't want to look at this shepherd boy, how faithful he was keeping the sheep and how he was young. And, and I want to look at a man named Samuel in this text. A man named Samuel who was going to do exactly what God told him to do. God showed me there's a lot of safe people, but there's not many servants. I want you to think about this. I'm getting into the message. I'm sort of giving you some thoughts God laid on my heart yesterday. God showed me, you know, whenever he called the disciples, I want you to think about this. We all know the story. Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee, and he calls Simon Peter and Andrew's brother, and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We all in the same place? We all know what we're talking about. Jesus comes to these men, and he begins to talk to them, and they see something in him, and they say, I'm going to forsake all. And they put their faith in Christ, and they follow after him. I believe that was their salvation experience. It was that faith, like Bradley talked about. That stepping out of that aisle, that that surrender to God. I believe that was their salvation story. So I I pictured and God dealt with me that that was their spiritual side kneeling at the cross, you know? Coming down and humbling themselves, that, that was their salvation story. Too many Christians are still kneeling at the cross. Now you're going to say, preacher, you're crazy. That's, that's a good thing that they're at the cross. Hear me and hear me well. You get saved at the cross, but then you're supposed to get up and follow Jesus. Jesus come to those men and He said, hey, I want you to follow me. Hey, I want you to surrender your life. Forsake this fishing net. You don't need that job. You don't need that boat. You don't need your parents. You need to follow me. And they said, I'm going with you. They could have stayed at the cross. They could have stayed by that boat. They could have kept cleaning their nets. But they got up and followed. Too many Christians today are getting saved. And they're still right at that place God saved them. I'm glad I'm not sitting at Pensacola Christian College today. 
I'm glad my spiritual life is growing because God is changing me and molding me into who I'm supposed to be. And I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but God is helping me. That's what God dealt with me about. Too many Christians today are still sitting at the cross where they got saved. Let's look into this text. I want you to notice Samuel. Samuel was an answered prayer. I don't know if you know this or not. In chapter 1 of of 1 Samuel, you'll find that Hannah has no children and she is in the the, uh, temple and she's praying and she is begging God for a child. And the Lord gives her that child and He says His name is Samuel. That's Samuel. That's who we're reading about was Hannah's answered prayer. Samuel comes from the Hebrew expression meaning asked of God. What a blessing. Chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Samuel ministered as a child before the Lord while the rest of his generation's sin was great before the Lord. I'm thankful today that this boy was able to stand up for God when nobody else was. If I'm not nothing in this world, if I don't do anything else in my life, if I could just stand up for God while the rest of America wants to turn away, while they want to take the Bibles out of schools, while they want to tell me I can't worship, while they want to tell us we can't do and we can't serve God the way that we want to, in our generation, if I can't do anything else, all I want to do is make God proud. Serve God with everything I've got, and I want to minister as a child. I want to be what God has called me to be in the midst of sin. You young men right here, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. As you grow up and you try and serve God, all your buddies, they aren't going to give a rip about church. They aren't going to care about being servants. They aren't going to care about serving God. They aren't going to care that you're a preacher. They're going to try and grab you by the hand and take you so far into sin that you can't even see the way back out. You've got to stay faithful to God. You've got to. All of you you older people, you understand this because you've already walked it, but still some of you, you could be the same person. Some of you, even though you've been in church for 40 years, you're still sitting at the cross too. What a sad thing it would be if you got to heaven and you've been sitting in church pews for 40 years hearing preaching from people like Ralph Sexton and Keith Watkins and you get there and God says, I had so much for you to do. I had so much for you to do. I had people that you were going to lead to God. I had souls that you were going to impact, but you sat at the cross. I want to be a servant today. I know Keith preaches a greater message about being a servant, but I want to be a servant today. Samuel was chosen of God to be different and to be used for the honor and glory of God. My commentary wrote this about Samuel. It said, God worked through Samuel because Samuel was willing to be one thing. God's servant. God's servant. I want to look at what being a servant is truly like. You know, a lot of preachers on TV, they want to tell you that serving God is, man, it's, it's roses and it's joy. Serving God is persecution. The world hated God, the world's going to hate you. It's the honest truth. We're going to face trials. I love the book of James. The book of James says, when you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. Not if, when. We're taught. It's going to get hard. It's not supposed to be easy for the child of God. I love that song that they sang the other night. He never told me that the cross would not get heavy. But He told me He would help me carry it through. I want you to notice this. Look at verse number 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? You know what God dealt with me about? 
How long are you going to waste your time serving somebody else? Serving somebody that's not who God's telling you to serve. Saul was rejected. Saul was done. He was no longer the king. God had David in his eyes. He was the man that God had chosen. And Samuel was still trying to follow after Saul. He was wasting his time. Some of you, you've got these cell phones in your pocket and you serve it like it's King David himself. Some of you, you have boats and you've got money and you serve it. You've got a job so that you can just make more money and you serve it. I'm telling you today, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. It's not who God is calling us to serve. The first thing I want you to notice is I want you to notice his distinct purpose in verse number one. It says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou halt, or how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. That's his calling. Right now in this moment, Samuel. Stop wasting your time with the things of this world. Stop wasting your time with Saul. You get your horn, you get your oil, and get out of here. It's time to go. He has a distinct purpose. Notice this. Samuel is called by God to do something big. He's going to be the one to anoint the next king of God's people. It's a big deal. It may, be, it may seem small, but this is a big deal. He is calling him for a distinct purpose. I want you to notice that God spoke to him directly. Samuel, get your stuff and go. It's an amazing thing. God told him exactly what he was supposed to do. I, I want you to understand God is not going to hide His will from you. I don't believe that if God wants you to do something, He's going to keep it a secret from you. God called me to preach. I didn't wait four years to announce my call to preach. God called me to preach and a month later, I made sure that it was God. I prayed as hard as I could and I was ready to go. I'm not trying to boast, but we've got to get rid of this what ifs. What ifs. We'll talk about that later, but we've got to get rid of that. You said it the other night, Pastor Keith. God deals with me about testifying. I sit there and I argue with it. Why? Why do we do that? Why do I do that? God dealt with me the same thing. I didn't want to stand up and ask Him. I didn't want to mess this thing up. God dealt with me the same thing. Stand up and praise me. He said, nah, Lord. Nah, Lord. Nah, there's too many people here, Lord. I don't want to do that. No. Lord, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to say something I shouldn't. Lord, no. What could have been different if we would have just done what we were supposed to do right when He said it? It's a convicting thought. Acts 26.16, Paul is called for a purpose. Man, I love that story. There in, there in Acts chapter number 9, God says, Paul, he's a chosen vessel for me. A chosen vessel that he may that he may show my glory. It was it was Paul's calling. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Jesus calls the disciples for a purpose to teach all nations and to baptize. I want to remind you this morning. God has a specific job for you today. If you're sitting under the tent, if you've still got breath in your lungs, sucking that breath down into your lungs, then you have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose, you'd be in glory. So if you're here today, it doesn't matter if you're old, doesn't matter if you're young. Some of y'all are probably getting ready to whip me for saying that word O-L-D, but it's just going to be the truth of the matter today. So it doesn't matter if you're old, it doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're just a young preacher or you've been serving God for 40 years. If you're here under the tent, you have purpose. You have a calling. You have a job to do. God's not going to just leave you here for you to sit here and melt. Miss Watkins, you still have a purpose. 
You still have a purpose, though you may call that thing what's called a stroller, and you may walk a little bit slower than everybody. You've got just man, that's gonna that's gonna mess me up. You've got just as much purpose as anybody else in this room. Just as much purpose as anybody else in this room. Some of you, you think, man, God's done me. I've messed up. I've not. If you're alive and breathing today, you've got purpose. What I want you to notice is Samuel has a distinct purpose. God did not hide his will from him. God did not make him uh, have to go kill a calf before he would know it. God said, I want you to go. It's clear. He has a distinct purpose. But then I want you to notice this. I believe he may have been a Baptist. I want you to see his discouraged panic. He was just like me. God says, hey, I want you to go. And he says, Saul will kill me. You're crazy, Lord. I'm not going nowhere. Saul would kill me and I'd be done. Isn't that just like a Christian? Lord, you want me to go, but I've got my own reservations. It's a discouraged panic. Lord, I would love to follow you, but I don't know. We find that Samuel gets a little worried. Lord, don't you know if I go, Saul will kill me? Many of us are just like that. God wants us to do something. We get a little worried. What will happen? Satan's biggest tactic is to cause fear in the heart of a believer. I've talked to many, many people, and what I've come to realize is that if the devil can discourage you and get you distracted, you're not doing nothing for God. If he can make you doubt the salvation you have, you're not serving. If he can make you doubt your calling, you're not serving. If he can make you worry about all these little things, you're not being what you're supposed to be. Samuel right here, he had a calling. It was clear. It was true. God said, you go and I'll take care of the rest. And Samuel said, what about Saul? What about Saul? What about Saul? The worst words a child of God can say are what if. I truly believe that. What if it don't work out? What if? What if? Whenever I was going to Macedonia, what if? I would have said what if. I couldn't keep saying that over and over. Whenever I was going to Macedonia, if I just started saying what if. You know, there's three people that are going to heaven right now since I've went to Macedonia. I'm not saying it's because of me. I'm saying God did it over there. What if I wouldn't have went? Can I have been able to reach those people? What about the people that, have, that were trying to serve God and just didn't know how? And now they know how. What if I didn't go? Too many times we say what if about the problem. What if we said what if about what could happen? Not what, what if something goes wrong? What if somebody gets mad at me? What if somebody leaves? What if, what if it gets hard, Preacher Keith? What if, what, if, what if we start saying what if I go and somebody gets saved? What if I stand up and testify in this place erupts? What if, what if this is the next Cane River revival if I stand up and say something for God? What if, this, what if this gets real? If we get serious, what if? He had his reservations. He had his reservations. I can already tell you a lot of your worries. What will my friends think? What will my family think? Here's a good one. You ready? I don't know enough. I can't go talk to people. What if they ask me a question? I don't know enough. You're looking at a man who don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't know nothing. I'm scared to talk to people. I, 
You want to know what I've come to realize? Those things are normal. Those reservations, they're normal. Here's why I love serving God. You ready? I want you to notice His divine plan, verses 2 and 3. As Samuel says, Lord, what about Saul? God does not say, you know what? You didn't listen to me. You're done. You know what He says? He gives him the plan. He says, you just go and you just tell them you're going to sacrifice. And, and you just tell them that, that you're just there to sacrifice and that'll get you in. And you don't have to worry about Saul because Saul thinks you're just there to sacrifice to me. And, and he'll, he'll be alright with that. Yeah. Do you ever notice that? To every what if you have, God has a plan. Samuel's worried to death. What's going to happen, Zach? What's going to happen at these smaller churches? What, what if somebody gets mad at me? What if somebody starts leaving? What, what if all this stuff goes crazy? What if this tent don't... There's a divine plan. Samuel, you just go and sacrifice. Just, just go and tell them you're here to sacrifice. You take Jesse, you call them to the sacrifice, and you guys will get out there. But really, you're going to be anointing. divine plan you think God knew that he would have this fear I do I'll go ahead and tell you this I'm an anxious person you can ask my mom and if my wife is here you could ask her I don't like restaurants you can ask Jeremy and Lydia they're they're my second parents I don't like restaurants I don't like public I don't like speaking my mouth right now I can't even feel it I'm just <laughs> just praising God through it amen I'm so anxious. My, my, doc, my poor doctor, my, my arm will hurt, and I'll email him, man, am I having a heart attack? I'm, I'm being serious. It's, it's, it, that's how it is for me. I'm, I'm an anxious person. Anxious as all get out. You probably saw me up here. I, I couldn't sit down. My hands are moving. I'm walking. I'm pacing. I'm just an anxious person. God knew that about me. But isn't it an amazing thing that once I get start preaching, I'm okay? You know, he knew I'd be an anxious person, but he said, you just go, you don't worry about that. I told Brother Kellen, maybe, maybe Brother Trevor, I can't remember. Hey, look, that's a servant. You put that camera on that boy, he's going to be a good man of God one day. <laughs> Amen. Hold on, let me get a sip of this. Wow, that's like heaven right there. Normally, I've never taken a drink while preaching. I'll be honest. Five years, never take a drink while preaching. All right. What we have to understand is that whenever we get our what ifs and we get worried, God's always got a plan. I'm an anxious person. I already talked about that. But God knows your what if too. What is your what if? Take a second and ask yourself, why do I not serve God the way that I'm supposed to? What, what is holding me back? What am I so worried about? What, what's got me so bound up that I won't serve God all the way? What's got me so worried? What... What am I afraid of? And once you begin to understand your what if, God can show you the plan to your what if. Samuel had to understand, look, I've got some reservations. And Lord, I'm nervous about this. Think about this. You remember Abraham and Isaac? Most of you have got sons. I've never been able to have, I've, I've, been, I've never had a son before. I just got married about a year ago. Most of you have had kids. Jeremy, what would you do if, if God called you He said, hey, I want you to take Ethan up on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him to me. I talk about this story a lot. 
That's what happened, isn't it? As Brother Rick said, am I in the right house? I like that. I think I'm going to start using that. Abraham, take your son up there. Your only son. Sacrifice him to me. What was Abraham's response? Okay. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't even had a son. If God told me to do that, I ain't getting out of the house. I'm just be honest with you. I'm not getting out of the house. I'm not saying yes. I'm probably going to throw away all my knives that I've got. It's me. It's my flesh. Abraham had the faith no matter what happened. God's got this. He wants me to sacrifice my son. You couldn't imagine it, could you? The amazing thing about that story, God didn't need Isaac. He wanted Abraham. So many times in your life, God does not want your possessions or your what-ifs. He just wants you. And if you would just give yourself up and say, yes, He's got the plan that takes... Abraham, whenever he took Isaac up there, he's probably scared to death, but he wasn't wanting Isaac and he didn't have to kill Isaac. God gave a ram. It's divine plan after divine plan to every what if. It's an amazing thing, church. I'm telling you. It's time for us to be servants. God's got this thing figured out. I don't have to know a whole lot. I've just got to serve. I've just got to serve. The divine plan. I want you to see this. Verse number 6. Let me read my text. I haven't read a verse since I read them all. And it came to pass when they were come, he looked on alive and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. We see his uh, distinct purpose, his discouraged panic. I forgot the last one. We see his divine plan. I want you to notice this, number 4. I want you to see his distracted perspective. Here's the scary thing about being a servant of God. He got more worried about what he thought was right than what God said. See it? Samuel said, oh oh boy. Jeremy, come here. Ethan, come here. Here is exactly what Samuel does. Okay? I should have picked somebody a little bit better looking, I'll be honest. Here's Jeremy. Okay? Strong guy kingly, right? Maybe a little bit taller, you know. Maybe fix his hair a little bit different, but kingly. Amen? Samuel looks at that boy. His heart's settled. I'm done. (laughs) Look at that boy. Strong, smart. He's got some money, amen? (laughs) Some of y'all don't know. He's got some money, amen? (laughs) And he looks at him. That's him. Whoa, that's the king. That's him. Surely, surely, surely that's him. God says, man, you're all messed up. God says, you are looking on the outward. He's wearing a suit. Hair's cut nice. Got some nice shoes on. You're looking at everything that don't matter. Everything that don't matter. He said, Sam, you're looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at their heart. That man's heart is not what I need. As a servant, too many times we get caught up in what we think needs to happen. Pastor in the church, it's hard for me sometimes to not just think what needs to happen. And God, that's, that's the way we need to go. 
It's an amazing thing. Samuel, he, he looks at alive and he says, this is it. A distracted perspective. It's a scary day when a servant of God, a servant of God, is more comfortable with what they think than what God is saying. God never said that was the band. God never said that's who it was. He came up on his own conclusion. Man, look at this dude. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and what? And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. But, here's another good thing. We see how good of a servant Samuel really is. Because he has a distracted perspective. But I want you to notice something. When God convicts him, he applies it. God says, Samuel, you're looking on the outward. God's looking on the heart. You know what Samuel does? He doesn't argue with God. He doesn't try to continue on the same path he was going on. He says, man, Lord, you're right. Lord, I am so sorry for letting my mind get mixed up. He says, what do you think about Eliab? He's not the one. Okay. Get out of here. Is this the one? No, he's not. Get out of here. Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? He got his focus back on what God wanted. As a child of God and as a servant, there will be times as you serve God, you will get distracted. The devil loves to mess with God's children. He'll have you so bound up sometimes. I've been there. You're saying, you're supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to be God's man. I, I truly believe I try to be. But there are times whenever the devil kicks my butt. Being honest. And I have to get right with God and I have to get my focus back. And then whenever I get my focus back, I'm ready to go. But sometimes God has to convict me. He has to show me, son, you're looking the wrong way. Son, you're, you're thinking the wrong way. You've got to slow down. You've got to get back to me. Hey, hey, you're messing up. You're just, your uh, perspective is distracted. You've got to stop. As a child of God, it's going to happen. But you've got to be teachable. That's a quality of a servant. Samuel, you're messing up. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Some of y'all don't know this. I used to have a bit of an attitude problem. I still do a little bit. Pastor Jason will tell you, Keith will tell you, horrible sports attitude. Can't play sports. Bad. Most of y'all probably didn't know it. God would get all up in my business every single time I'd get frustrated. And the first thing I would do would be begging for forgiveness. Am I not correct? There were times where I would act up in front of my preacher. Five minutes later, I'd be calling, Pastor Keith, please forgive me. I shouldn't act like that. I know I, should, I know I can't act like that no more. Please forgive me. I had to understand I'm not perfect, but I've got to accept my faults. I've got to take up what I'm doing and make no more excuses. My attitude was my problem. It wasn't nobody else's fault. I've got to be real about it with myself. I've got to own up to my mistakes. It's a servant of God's job. Samuel said, Lord, I messed up. I shouldn't have been looking on the outward. I should have been listening to you. Yeah. A distracted perspective. You can sit down for a minute. I, f- I didn't need you quite yet. <laughs> a distracted perspective. He gets messed up. 
but God teaches him about why he was wrong and he learned. Think about Proverbs 24.16. For a just man falleth seven times. I sure am glad that's not the end. And he riseth up again. As a child of God, we're going to fall. God did not save my flesh. He saved my soul. My flesh, desperately wicked. My flesh has nothing to do with God. He hates God. We're going to fall. You've got to get back up. You've got to be teachable. You've got to let God's conviction apply to your life and change the things that God's dealing with you about. God's conviction is not His anger. God's conviction is His love. We get that mixed up. He's not convicting us because He's mad about us messing up. He's convicting us because He loves us too much to let us stay there. It's a good thing. Then I want you to notice this. I'm almost done. i got two more. got two more. Am I going too long? Am I good? All right. We see His distracted perspective, but then we see His determined persistence. Look at this. We're not sitting down until He comes. Is this, the only, is this all the sons you got? Jesse, where's all your sons at? God would not have sent me down here if you did not have another son because He didn't say yes to none of these boys. I'm not sitting down. We're not taking a break. I'm not eating lunch. Some of you have to get your persistence back. I'm not going to stop serving God. I don't care if i got to stay up all night and pray. I don't care if i got to read eight chapters a night, ten chapters a night, read for 45 minutes a day. It don't matter. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it because He called me for a purpose and He's not going to send me down here for nothing. Samuel looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, you've, I've, I've watched all these sons pass by and you've not said yes to one of them. Where's the boy at? Jesse, you've got to call all your sons. Where's he at? I know for a fact he's not here because God would have told me. Where's he at? He's up there serving sheep. He's the youngest. I didn't think he was worth nothing. I didn't think he needed to be down here for this. This is for men. This is for grunt. This is for the, this is for the Jeremy's. The kingly. A determined persistence. A determined persistence. I'm not sitting down. I'm not taking a break. We've got to get that back in the church of God. He only wanted what God wanted. Samuel knew God sent him to anoint the next king. He knew God didn't make a mistake. He was not going to rest, eat, take a breath, watch his show, or eat grapes till God's business was taken care of. Listen to me today, church. God's business is not done because He has not come back. And it's time for the church of God to stand up and focus. It's time for the church of God to get a backbone again and say that the things of God matter, that we need to serve God, that we need to be persistent in this tent, that we need to be focused because Jesus is coming and we're walking along streets and we're going to places with lost people that don't know Jesus. And if we don't stand up, if the church is not going to stand up, then these young people aren't going to have nowhere to go to church. If we don't stand up, then this young preacher is not going to have nowhere to go preach. If we don't stand up, if we don't get serious as the children of God, as the church of God, we've got to stand up today. We've got to get our persistence back, our determination for the things of God. We've missed it. Generation after generation have just let things slide. The Bible should still be in schools. We should still stand up against uh, homosexuality. We should stand up against transgenders. We should stand up for the things of God. And we don't. We've got to get it back. What is wrong with us? God has been too good for us to just lay down to grab our pills and say, ah, 
it's been hard. I'm a little tired. Yeah. The church is being a little mean. Somebody said something the other day. I guess I ain't going back. Yeah. My shoes weren't clean enough. They said something about it. I'm done going to church. Yeah. I'm telling you, church. I'm telling you, church. I have a heart for people like this young man. I love this boy. He would wear me. If he stood up, we started wrestling, he'd probably beat me up. As a Cox boy, he don't play around. Being honest. We've got to stand up, and it's not for us. I don't need to stand up so that Zeb can preach a little bit more. I don't need to preach hard and be real about things so that I can get more meetings, so I can get more calls. I'm standing up for him. He can't stand up yet. He doesn't know how to stand up yet. Your sons, they can't stand up on their own yet. It's time for us to do it. Marie can't stand, can't stand for herself. You've got to. Nolan can't do it yet. He's not there yet. You've got to. We've got to. Oh, my bad. My bad. We've got to. Amen. Persistence in the Bible. Persistence means to continue firmly in a course or action in spite of difficulty or oppression. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on the right course of action. And I already told you that there's going to be difficulty, so I guess we better continue firmly. That's persistence. Galatians 6 9 says, And let us not be weary in well doing. Proverbs 24 16, I just read it. A just man falleth uh, seven times and riseth up again. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something about Paul. Paul was persistent. That boy was stoned, shipwrecked. You can read about it over there in one of his books. I can't remember which one right now. You can read about it over there somewhere. Stoned, shipwrecked. He lists it out is what I'm saying. He has a whole list of them. He tells you everything that's ever been bad happened to him. And then at the end of it he says... It's been worth it all. At the end of his life, when he's laying there, after looking back on all those things that God has allowed to happen to him, he says, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith, and I'm moving on to glory. What I did for God, and what God had to allow me to go through, was all worth it. For what? The prize of the high calling of God. Some of you saints already understand this. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I'm moving on to another world and I'm good. But us younger people, us middle-aged people, we've got to understand they didn't get... Miss Joanne Tweed did not get where she's at. I'm not even going to look at her because I'll start getting ripped up, start crying. My favorite thing was whenever she'd stand up and testify. One of my favorite things. She didn't get to that point from laying down on the things of God. Brother Jim Garrison cannot get excited about the things of God because he laid down on the things of God. Because he, he stepped back on some of his convictions. He's not where he's at because he held back on God. He gave it all. Ms. Jones, we gave it all. Lord, whatever you want, you have my life. They call in David. He has a determined persistence. He's not going to stop. The woman pressing through the crowd, she wasn't stopping for nobody. You remember blind Bartimaeus? Lord, have mercy on me! Hey, boy, shh. Don't be yelling at him. Quiet down over there. Quiet down. 
Lord, have mercy on me! I'm not stopping. I'll scream for God till He does help me. I'm not stopping. Persistence in a child of God. It's important. But then lastly, Samuel calls, uh, tells Jesse, I need your last son because you have any more sons. And he brings up David. Stand up. Brings in David. He's probably a little bit older than Ethan is. He brings in David. Right? We're just going to be real right here. You want him to be the pastor of Pleasant Hill right now? Being honest. I'm being honest. Is this the, is this the boy you would want to lead that church right now? Not, not discrediting Keith. I'm making a point. Would you trust him? To lead Pleasant Hill. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Would you trust him? Girl, you're messing up my point. That's so good, ain't it? That's so good. Would you trust him? Would you trust him? Would you let him be your pastor? And you still be the youth? Would you trust him? That's what they're doing. They're anointing a young, ruddy, beautiful beautiful countenance man. But he's young. He don't know nothing. All he knows is it's in the sheep. That's who they're getting ready to anoint. Am I in the right house? I got to get y'all talked back up. Come on now. Would you trust him? That's what they were doing. You know what Samuel could have said? And this is my last point about being a servant. Samuel could have said, I deserve the kingship way more than that boy does. I've served since I was a child. I followed you, God, to the ends of the earth. I've said everything you wanted me to say. I've done everything you wanted me to do. Why aren't you making me king? Got to be honest, in my flesh, I'd probably think the same thing. I think that's probably why God laid it on my heart. Why is he getting to be king? He don't know nothing. Sometimes we get to that place. I deserve more than what... That's a bad place to be. I deserve more. It's where a lot of marriages get messed up. I deserve more. I deserve more than what they're doing. They should be cleaning more. I deserve more than that. We get there as a child of God sometimes. God, you should be giving me more. Here's the thing about being a good servant. Samuel only wanted what God wanted him to do. Samuel could have said, Lord, I deserve to be king. Samuel could have said, I'm just going to anoint myself. Samuel could have said, this boy, he ain't got it. He's young. He don't know nothing. Samuel said, you want me to anoint this boy? Yes, sir. I'm on it. I don't know how, I don't know how they anoint, but we're just going to picture me anointing him. You know what I'm saying? Being a good servant. I want you to see his delightful position. Whenever we're servants of God, and we get rid of our pride. And we say, whether my name is on the sign or whether it's not. Whether it's in the lights or whether it's not. Whether somebody knows that I took out the trash or whether they don't. Whether the preacher recognizes what I do or whether he doesn't. Whether God... I'm, I'm telling you, church, if we could just settle down and understand, look, I don't need to be no king. If God wanted me, the king, me to be the king, I would be the king. 
If he wants me to take out trash, I'm going to take out trash. If he wants me to pastor church, I'm going to pastor church. If he wants me to start preaching, I'll start preaching. If I need to teach Sunday school class, I'll start teaching. But if he don't call me to do none of that, I'm not doing it. His delightful position. The servant Samuel now stands and looks at David, the one that will be anointed king. Samuel at this point would have been a man, and my thought was this. Why don't you just make me king? I've served you since a kid. I've been faithful, but we don't see that because Samuel was delighted in serving God. He was not serving God for what he could get out of God. You know how many, cho- you know how many people do that? What can I get out of the ministry? What can I get out of this message? What can I get out of this church? What can I get out of this position? He is just delighted to be a small part in what God's doing. I'm not nothing. I'm not nothing. God really, truthfully, should have left me where I was. He should have. Not nothing. But if I can just have a small piece in what God wants me to do. I may not preach like Bradley Boone. I may not be able to hack like that. I don't know how to do all that. I may not know the Bible like Rick Cope and talk about Revelation. I don't know that stuff yet. If I could just have a small part. If I could just do my part. If you could just do your part. You may not be the chairman of deacons, but if you'll serve, you'll accomplish what God has for you. You may not have the best singing voice, but if God tells you to sing, sing. If we could just settle down and be servants. I don't believe God needs another TV personality. God does not need another person that thinks that they have what it takes to do whatever. You can sit down, I'm sorry. We do not need today anything else other than people that are willing to say, Lord, Lord, You have it all. Take it. My life, my breath, you take my personality, I can't sing, but you take my voice, you take it all, Lord, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's what we have to have today. You want your kids to have somewhere to go to church? You want America to see some change? It starts with the children of God acting like children of God again. Children of God being real about serving Him and not being so filled up with themselves. Wear my suit, pull my pants up, my shirt's tucked in, my tie's perfectly straight, and I'm a child of God now. Absolutely not. I'm a child of God because I surrendered my heart to Him. I'm a child of God because He found me where I was in my sin. He came to me and he said, hey, I've got something better if you'll take it. (laughs) I've got something better for you if you'll take it. If you'll give me what you've got, I'll bless it. I sure am glad there was a lad there that day. That old boy didn't have much. He had his little, he had his little, what's what's a good kids TV show right now? What's that? uh, Paw Patrol. He had his little Paw Patrol lunchbox with his five loves and two fishes. He was just trying to see what Jesus was doing. And God, God looked at that old little boy and he said, that lunchbox, what little you have, son, that's all I needed. Hey, that's all I needed for all 5,000 of these people, plus the women and children. That's all I needed. 
what you have to understand is that you've got something today. You've got something that God can use. Each and every one of you today have something. It may be a little lunchbox. It, it, I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to try and guess. But you have something. God just wants all of it. I pray that you would surrender today. I pray that I pray that today you would make up in your mind. I just want to be a servant. I just want to serve. I don't I don't have to be in front of people. I just want to serve. 